Wow. What up? <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you, friend? Um, I'm actually okay. I'm it was just hot as hell today. How hot is it over there? Girl, 90 degrees today. And you know my car don't have no damn air. Oh, that's like hell. <laughs> Do you know? I said, you know what? Fuck this. And I called the uh I called my uh repairman for my mm-hmm. car, Mr. Larry. Shout out to Mr. Larry. And mm. I set my appointment up for him to come look at my air finally. I've been thugging for a year without air, y'all. You are a sociopath. And with that being said, welcome back to another episode of Keep It Locked with Keenan Wayne and <laughs> And Kiara Don, who's me? Please, y'all, don't talk about me. Talk about me with my air, please. Like I just, it's I don't okay. know. I don't know. Like my air broke in the middle of summer last year, mm-hmm. summer, and somebody told me it was twelve hundred dollars to get it fixed. Oh, bitch! Somebody told me when they well when they got their air fixed, it was twelve hundred dollars. They gonna so, tell us about the car to you after they fix the air? Girl, I don't know. So so I heard twelve hundred dollars, so I said we just gonna thug it till the wheels fall off. Oh no, uh, baby! I would have charged that to the good old Barclays and would have kept it pushing because <laughs> I can't drive and eat, child. child me and Miss Altima, listen, that is <laughs> that is my hoopty girl. We get we get from point A to point B, okay? <laughs> so yes, everyone, welcome to a new week of Keep It Locked podcast. Uh, we are still hollering Black Lives Matter. Um, Absolutely, it is also time to vote. Uh, mm-hmm. for the primaries mm-hmm. so make sure that you guys are voting um i know the voting date for louisiana is july 11th you have from um i think it's june let me make sure let mm. me let me get my notes get your notes sure. so you. i can make sure i can give you guys dates my louisiana listeners Absolutely. Shout out to my California listeners. We've already voted in the primaries. I'm going to absentee vote because technically I'm still registered in Louisiana. So make sure you exercise your right to vote. And if you're listening to us, you know that's very important to us. We're always about pushing the conversation forward. So absolutely. Yes. So I do have the dates for our Louisiana followers, Mm -hmm. uh, well, listeners. So June 10th is the deadline to register to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the presidential primary also we have june 20th which is the deadline to register online mm-hmm. um and also we have july 7th which is the deadline to request a mail ballot july mm-hmm. 10th is deadline for register registrar to receive mail ballot and also mm-hmm. june 20th through july 4th is early voting so if you want to get the voting out the way mm-hmm. uh you can early vote between those dates july june 20th and july 4th and then july 11th is election day so voting is very much so important even if you don't like both ca- candidates just choose the two the lesser of the two evils and we just need to get that nigga out Period. <laughs> um, but make sure for everybody that says that you research people's platforms and such. I don't want to assume that people agree with what I believe. So make sure that you make an informed decision. That's all I have to say. Make an informed decision. Also, one more thing: voter suppression is very much so real. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, okay. hopefully they don't try to fuck us up, fuck us over too much with voter suppression. <laughs> um. But anyway, yeah. so getting into insecure. Make sure you guys go vote. Make sure you go vote, bitches. Okay, cool. 
So hopping into this episode of Insecure called Low-Key Tripping, I believe. What did you think about the intro with Issa and Lawrence starting it. it off? You loved it? Loved it. I love, you know, when they were teasing the fact that they may get back together. I didn't mm-hmm. really know how I felt about it. But mm-hmm. just seeing them in their, like, in their evolved spaces, meaning, like, with each other. Mm-hmm. They're not the same Issa and Lawrence from season one, of course. But seeing them, the the like just seeing them, uh, it just was beautiful. I love how like bringing it back to what you just said about season one is that the fact that they start this episode off of them sitting on a couch because in season one that's one of the first ever argument that they had popped off because like we said in previous episodes, uh, Lawrence didn't buy Issa a gift. So I was wondering by them sitting on a couch was that alluding to them slipping back into their old patterns or was it mm. inspiring them to change? Because you know, Insecure loves having double entendre. So I was looking at it on some like but deep hippie also, shit. <laughs> we also have a different couch. I know, right? A different color. Blue represents stability, where the yellow was kind of faded on the one that they were sitting on. So, right. hmm, hmm. Right. I did love seeing them bone though. I was like, ugh, I oh, can't I get enough it. of seeing that. The They're great. <laughs> I love them. So I, yeah, I love the beginning. It really did something for me, and then getting to. Her being as open and clear about what's going on and her not trying to hide anything. And her Hell asking- no. <laughs> Hell no. Sorry. That was on my spirit. What you think? <laughs> about you think her about? going help Nathan move? No, about Nathan texting her and then she telling Lawrence about it. Why you say hell no? That was going to be a problem down the line if he found out. I mean, I feel like, okay, so let's get into it because that's something that has been blazing Twitter. So with for me personally, me, I think that unless the question is asked, I don't need to volunteer that information. And that might make me look shisty. That might make me look sneaky, but I'm going to say yes. this. She had to ask Lawrence if he was still talking to Condola. He didn't volunteer that information. So I feel like that Issa is going into this just talking too goddamn much. Like, until y'all solidify that y'all are doing something together, I don't need to tell you who I'm hanging out with when I'm not by you. I don't think until you make that, until you tell me I'm your dude or I'm your girl, whatever you identify as, I don't feel like I need to extend that information to you unless we're in a solid, committed relationship. Okay. I see that point. You know, the girls will eat me up. But but (laughs) based on their history and Issa being the person that cheated, Mm-hmm. I think she just wanted to be as open and have an open dialogue about what was going on. So it wouldn't see anything wouldn't seem shady because she really wants to make this work. I completely agree and accept that. I think my whole angle is that both of them are seemingly agreeing to re-enter this relationship. So if she she shouldn't have to live with that guilt of like, oh, damn, I cheated. Otherwise, what's the purpose of getting back together? Point. That's just that's just my point. I, well, we I, I see your side, and I, I I guess you see mine. So we mm-hmm. agree on that. But mm-hmm. I personally, I just wouldn't have went and helped Nathan. Me, oh, uh, tripping. you tripping? You no, because eyes? if I if I really want things to work with somebody, I'm not going to go and mess with my old work skill. You know what I mean? Okay, I get that, because sometimes the allure of somebody else. One thing I did want to uh, mention, 
that I saw a lot on the internet because I like seeing other people's reactions is that Issa also asks uh, Lawrence, what are we? I will swallow a jean jacket before I ask a nigga, what are we? <laughs> like, never. Okay, well, how do you how do you get on the conversation about labels? Like, of who you, like, what, like, I don't know, like, because I always wonder, like, once I get mm-hmm. in a relationship, like, how, like, not a relationship, but, like, talking to somebody, like, uh-huh. how do we distinguish, like, are we friends? Are we just you know what my communication teachers in college said? She said, you always ask a vague question that has to have a distinct answer. And a question I always ask people, especially if I'm dating them, is where do you see yourself in three years? And they snitch on themselves because if they don't mention you at all, there isn't a we yet. And sometimes you can revisit that, but you can always read people's body language. Just because somebody vocalized something to you doesn't necessarily make it fact. Because I think about all the people who we were like, that we liked or such, and they never vocalized it. Mm. So at that point, you're almost projecting. I feel like Issa really wants this. And Lawrence is kind of appeasing it to an extent, but he hasn't really given her like that. Yeah, we're together. He always was throwing the ball back in her court. And I feel like you got to read between the lines, especially when it comes to niggas. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Oh my God, we agreeing for one episode? The world really ended. Well, no, oh no, I know we about to get into it because we haven't even brought up Miss Girl. So we're going to get into we it get eventually. That. Um, we get that. But um, fast forwarding, Miss Issa, she goes and helps Nathan. Mm-hmm. Lawrence is cool with it, so she goes ahead and does it anyway. Mm, and don't need a man approval. The funniest thing was when she was trying to figure out how she was gonna greet him, <laughs> and, and she, did she say, "My nigga"? Yeah. <laughs> I love Issa because I do the Ooh. same thing. I'm like, okay, how I'm gonna say, hey, like it's, like, <laughs> you know, like we, like I'm awkward like her. Like that's why mm-hmm. I really. I get her awkwardness. Mm-hmm. Awkward black girl. Like, I get it. Like Absolutely. We I claim- feel like you won't catch all of the jokes if you didn't watch Aqua Black Girl. Like, of course, you go get it. But it make it even funnier when you think about her character in the web series prior to the show. It's kind of like the prelude to the show. So whenever they interact with each other, I felt like I was Issa because that's exactly the energy I give everybody I previously dated of like, hey, we're going to keep it very friendly. And every time we step out these lines, we're going to get back in these lines. So that was cute. It was cute. And then, you know, they go in the apartment and Issa is kind of like, I'm trying to avoid you, nigga. Like, you are really Mm. fine. And I'm Mm. trying to work on this thing with Lawrence and I'm not trying to fuck it up. But like, Okay. Nathan was looking like a Twix. Just I want a caramel just to Girl. ooze out of his skin. Oh my god. He talk. Uh, oh, that man. country Houston. That Houston draw. See, that's why I wanted to move to Houston. <laughs> because the means. Not enough birth control in this world to keep me from getting pregnant for Nathan. I'm telling you, like. Girl. Oof. Girl. Oh, child. Somebody. Let's stop salivating over this. <laughs> we do this it's every just, week. No, it's just something about Kendrick Sampson, period. Mm-hmm. Like, handcrafted from handcrafted God. Handcrafted from God. Like, and he then mm-hmm. he's an active. He's been out in these streets. He always mm-hmm. been out in these streets. This activism mm-hmm. has not, he's always been in these streets. Okay. So, if y'all want to follow, Kendrick Sampson is I think it's Kendrick 38 that's his name on Instagram he has a lot of information on um you know what's going on right now um Mm -hmm. injustice and police brutality and the protests Mm -hmm. and how you can help and 
how he's out there, his the, the organizations he works with and his own organization. So if you guys want to know any information as far as the movement, he his Instagram page is actually very informative and always yeah. has has been before, you know, the, the big, big wave of everything going on right now. So yeah. Yeah. Shout out to him for real. Uh however, like <laughs> <laughs> you know, we finally got to see we got we finally got to hear what happened in that ghosting period. And they had a very strong conversation. The first piece we'll get to, well, from my point that I want to bring up is whenever Issa was oversharing again, in my opinion, about what was going on with her and Lawrence and hearing Nathan's banter and like I don't know if my listeners have been through this. I'm pretty sure, like, our listeners, I mean, have been through this. Um, but it's very weird when uh, you have two niggas and one is bashing the other because you have, like, a flight or a fight uh, response to it because it's almost like hearing you talk about somebody else that you love, like, that I love. That's just weird to me, like, especially if it's two niggas I did not had, like, relations with and I hear my other nigga bashing him, like, that's something that's off limits and that's why you got to be careful what you share right because he like if anything. he's trying to get into the the place like he's trying to get mm-hmm. his place so he gonna say mm-hmm. he gonna talk about the old nigga so he can make the old nigga look bad and he can get his place in mm-hmm. you know what I mean so I... stop snitching to these niggas and bitches about who you used to date because they go take that and run with it you love them they don't remember that, <laughs> remember that. that's their competition okay <laughs> uh, but you know, I love that Insecure had a honest conversation. Well, they brought up about bipolar disorder and him getting help for that because as being, you know, being a black man um, and being mm-hmm. black people, you know, with mental health, I love that that conversation. Mm-hmm. I love that this season actually has talked about mental health because they, I know they talked about postpartum, you know, you know, things like that. So in the black community, mental health is something that is kind of like thrown underneath the rug or it's not taken seriously as it should be you know and I feel like a lot of black people I feel like we could have a lot of healing within our communities if we did take mental health seriously um because we a lot of us do suffer from PTSD bipolar um depression Mm -hmm. so I do like that Issa Rae is using her platform which is insecure to talk about that um, and talk about how he went and got help and how he feels much better now. You know, it was just really good to see and well, actually to know what happened, um, but to also see them talk about that. Yeah, I completely agree with you because it's very hard to not only be vulnerable, but especially in the age of time that we are in, because in this culture, a lot of people are ashamed for having any type of um mental illness at all and then it's it's even more stigmatized when you're black at least from the black perspective that i have i think that you're worried about how that person is going going to use that information if they're going to use it against you if they're going to post it on social platforms so i agree with you i love that they're using that platform because it intertwines in every aspect of your life and there have been moments where i have wanted to put myself in the shoes of my partner because maybe they didn't vocalize their depression or anxiety or because i'm overly communicative in my relationships or at least i attempt to be um so whenever i'm struggling with something i don't ever want somebody to take it personal whether that's interpersonal or just uh, in a work-based relationship right right so i don't know i just think I just I love that he did say that, you know, because when you're going through some shit like that, you do disconnect from the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't have time to go and update you on what's going on. I'm trying to get 
like I'm trying to get my mind together. Like your mind is gold. It's precious, you know? So I really love that they did that. And then, you know, they have to go by. Oh, one thing I did want to ask you though, cause I saw some people ask this question too. And I wanted your perspective. Do you think, think that Nathan genuinely wants to be in love with Issa? Or do you think he's jealous that Lawrence is back? No, I think he genuinely would like to be with Issa. Okay. Do you think it could work? No. Damn. I just don't see it working out. I don't see. I think I really. And you know what's crazy? Because I put on Twitter, I was like, I really don't know if I want her to be with Lawrence or Nathan. And I've had my time. And I, I'm like, I think oh, I did like that when he finished her song and got mm-hmm. her reference. Getting references are is very cute for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's attractive. Like. You get a reference that I like. You're getting a pop culture reference. Okay, guys. It you is. Know? It's like such a bonding moment. It's such a bonding moment. So that was cute <laughs> that he got. Like they had that moment. Um, I'm gonna be controversial and say right quick. I don't want her to be with either one of them niggas. To be honest, <laughs> something about Lawrence to me is sneaky, and I can't prove it. But I feel like in the next episode we're gonna see that he's still talking to Condola or he still has bitches because the way he was answering was triggering for me because I think about vague answers niggas have given me. So maybe I'm projecting myself. There's something. Me, I just don't trust No, it. I think there's something in the water still with Miss Condola. We just don't know yet and we'll mm. find out next Sunday. Um, mm. But I don't know. Oh, one thing that we do have to circle back to while we're on the subject of mental health, Molly meeting with her therapist. Oh, I'm ready to drag her. <laughs> Well, I'll let you start since you're very passionate. I am because what's the point of paying someone to go to therapy and you don't listen to what they're saying or try to Mm -hmm. at least apply it in your life? It's a waste waste of health insurance and it's a waste of money. Mm. I understand Mm. this lady is telling you, why don't you meet people halfway? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? You've been in therapy for four fucking seasons and we have not seen any type of change. Okay, wait, pause. Flag on the play. Here we go. <laughs> so that conversation that you, that conversation piece you just said was loaded. So I'm going to try to dissect it into how I, I interpret I, it from I, my I, lens. Let me change that. Not any change. She has had some. But okay. Right now, it's okay. like, Molly, you really off your, like, girl, what is going, child, anyway. Okay, so the one the one thing I want to put in, in reference is that therapy is not an overnight process. How many times have we given you advice, whether it was, you know, whether it's your friend or not, and it takes you a while to process that? We don't know the timelines of these events. So four seasons can only be the span of one year. So I'm going to give her that grace. We don't know. Um, as far as the, the information she got from a therapist, I do think that Molly has some deep rooted issues that she needs to solve, but it's, it doesn't excuse the behavior, but I want to put in the, the framework of, if you think about her relationship with her dad, she cut her own daddy off for like an, a huge lack of judgment and heinous thing he did to their mom. And I think what makes anybody else in her life different. I do think we need a little bit more compassion when we talk about Molly because we're also still projecting what she did as wrong for the events that she has done. Absolutely. But we need to also give her a little bit of compassion because I, I'm not a, a trained professional, but I do think that Molly is a little bit narcissistic and gaslights people. Uh, yeah. That's why we, I will give you that. But I mean, I get it. Cause now I have to think about myself too. And I'm like, I, been times mm-hmm. when you guys, like our friends, have given me the advice, and I've been on mm-hmm. it for a while, and then mm-hmm. I'll start applying it, or like 
I think she's sitting on that information. I'm really giving her grace because therapy is, it, it takes a lot to uh, unblock all those trauma she has. It doesn't excuse the behavior that she has, but I do think that we need to look at it from a dual lens of like that, that friendship is toxic. Like we've been saying for weeks, but I do think that Molly is human and she's flawed and she has to work through that. Cause it's going to take a lot, well, a lot. With Molly, we see where she's given the chance to meet people halfway in this one. Mm. Like with Andrew's brother, she was given the chance to meet halfway and be like, okay, Mm-hmm. Think of me. And she's like, no, no. So do you immediately go to build a bridge with people who have no, hurt your feelings? that's not what I'm saying to do that. But mm-hmm. it's just, I can tell Andrew is taking mental notes. He's, I feel like he's a, a tad bit passive He's very much so passive aggressive. That's scary. <laughs> Being a aggressive person is scary because those are the people who usually ghost. Ooh, and I and, and you can see with the little reading lines of them talking about like the food that he wanted going to the games with his brother and Molly is missing those social cues but a lot of people do I know I know for me personally I have been a Molly in relationships maybe friendships too where my partner was communicating something to me and it flew over my head because if I think about Molly's upbringing and what they've mentioned on the show, she's always had to overcompensate. So she has this super enormous wall built around her. So that's probably why she became a lawyer to fight all of the stereotypes against her, number one. But to also, I feel like it's going to lead into our later segment about imposter syndrome. I think Molly deals with that. I think she's really suffering with not believing she should be where she's at. So she, in turn, self-sabotage. Oh, yes. Ooh. We're going to talk about that later, you guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sorry when we got there, but hey, we're talking about imposter syndrome in our, in our last segment. Um, So we can, yeah, Molly definitely, I think she does does a lot of self-sabotage because uh, she doesn't feel mm-hmm. like she deserves it. She deserves mm-hmm. the good, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. you definitely made me see things differently. See, I'm, I said, you know what? I'm not going to argue with Keenan about Molly. I'm going to actually see his side. You know, so you definitely, mm-hmm. I am going to try try to give her more grace and more compassion. However, you know, it was, you know, oh, we forgot one thing. What did we miss? When Molly, wait, was this last episode? When Molly, oh, no, no, no. We freaking forgot. Oh, we forgot about the meeting for brunch. Oh, we totally so fake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not much came out of that brunch, so I don't think we missed anything big. It was we missed them miscommunicating. Issa read it one way, and then Molly read it a completely different way, and that goes to show you that until you fully delve back those layers, you don't know what your friend thinking. You might think everything great, and they fucking hate you, but at they big ages, I expect more from both of them. And I also want to mention that I think that they should delve into Issa going through therapy as well. I know I that the central I the, think she needs it. She does her life, her love life, she some therapy. Not even her life, just mm-hmm. I think some therapy. So I do think that that would be a good thing. But I think that's something they mm-hmm. probably should have started when she was having a lot going on. Um, And mm-hmm. not necessarily now think it's not never too late it's never too late for therapy but i'm talking about within the storyline it may be a little too late but it will be nice to see Issa in therapy as well um, mm-hmm. but them i just this this whole season just should just be called the miseducation the miscommunication 
not the miseducation, the miscommunication of insecure. All of, <laughs> all of these miscommunication cues that keep happening um, in different mm-hmm. relationships on this season, like really, mm-hmm. like miscommunication is the theme of this season. Um, are learning to communicate. Like, I how Ethan yeah. and Molly went in that diner and did not talk about what happened. Like, we're not have a blow up yep. like that and not speak on it and not talk about it until we move. We're not gonna kiki ha 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 until we actually talk about okay, what made us get here. So yep. they that was honestly it was on their fault on both ends, and that's why we ended up getting yep. that blow up at Andrew's house because it's kind of like okay, you guys should y'all would have never had that situation if y'all would have just talked it completely out at the diner. And there we go another time they missed mm-hmm. out on being able to actually have an adult conversation about what happened in the breakdown of their relationship. Can we also stop seeking validation from our partners in terms of like when we're having conflict with other people? Like it's the, it was kind of almost desperate to the, the fact that Molly was more of like, look, I'm, I'm trying. And it almost implicates Andrew is like Andrew being like, Oh, don't fuck with that bitch anymore. You know, you never know how that could be read. So I thought that was kind of distasteful and fake because I'm like, mm. like I put myself as if we were all sitting in that same room, God forbid. And I like saw a text message like that. That'll make me feel like the last couple of months or whatever, or whatever, issues that we had meant that our friendship never was really of importance to you you were looking from like brownie points from your significant other like uh, most of my friends i was like if i were to text that about one of y'all y'all would not fuck with me for if ever honestly or for a long if time. i would have got that that text message like with that mistake of oh look i'm mm-hmm. trying i would have did the same mm-hmm. thing Issa did i baby we're mm-hmm. not playing games no more <laughs> leave really? it on the playground <laughs> And it's, it's it's weird to me because both of them are hurting. And I, I do think that while Molly thought she was trying, just because you think that you're trying doesn't mean it translates like that. And you weren't, for me, this episode, I get all the criticism that she's gotten. And I, and I have been trying to look at it from a full perspective because if we think about the scene of her in therapy, it cuts to black when the therapist asks her, does she want to work for it? And it's okay to be like, hey... I don't think we should be friends right at this moment. We can redefine this relationship later if necessary, but people invest energy into things that they want. And I think that Molly doesn't want that friendship anymore. And I think Issa has a problem with letting go. She loves the nostalgia effort. And I think that was something they pointed to because Issa always makes nostalgic references. And I don't know if that's a coping Mm -hmm. mechanism or because she actually, you know, enjoyed it. I don't know. Oh, I I agree with that. Okay. Oh, that's a different perspective to look at it like that. Like, that's why she's always doing references. She has like a coping thing with nostalgia. Okay. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Girl, I had oh. went and watched it and I, had, I was like, well, let me dissect also, this. <laughs> I do, when Molly was like, I think we're in different places in life right now. Um, mm-hmm. I agree they are, but it also brings in the conversation mm-hmm. of is Molly, she she's so used to Issa being the fuck up and get her life mm. together and kind of like mm-hmm. like I said in previous episodes I think Molly also put herself on a pedestal against my uh Issa because Issa was the fuck up and Molly was like I'm a lawyer and I, I got my life together and I'm this and that and Issa's my fuck up friend yeah. like I she makes me feel better like that you know and I yep. think that you know Issa is starting to really have her own lane and her own thing and I think Molly won't, you know, we'll be on equal levels now. 
And I, I think that's also hard for Molly to accept. And so when she said that, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, girl, okay. Um, but <laughs> when Issa was kind of like, yeah, okay. And that's the thing I think that both of them have an issue with, and I agree with what you just said, is that when you're friends with somebody for so long, you tend to have a joint identity. Most people, when they talked about it, it's always Issa and Molly, Issa and Molly, and it's like, I think they lost their respective identities and they were projecting what had happened over the years on each other. You know, Issa was always telling Molly, like, you can never keep a relationship. You never have a man, and you know, playing can, on that. And Molly was and always sending it also back. Be so, like, when you do- constantly doing that to somebody and with black women being a mm-hmm. woman and we have those pressures on, uh, from society that we have to have a relationship, we have to be with somebody starts to do mm-hmm. something it starts to eat at you i i be honest with you so i can see where she kind of does have that that inner resentment towards Issa as well mm-hmm. so i mean honestly i'm happy that Issa walked away because i the relation i feel yeah. like the friendship has ran its course like i always say hashtag cancel the fucking friendship and I'm happy that Issa, it was cool Issa tried to reach out, but Molly wasn't really willing to meet, really meet her halfway because Molly still has things and resentments that she's still upset about. You know? Mm. Which, Damn, the fact that we're having such very insightful dialogue over a 30-minute comedy. And I'm like, y'all keep saying making an hour. No, no it, it, it's so much to dissect in those 30 and minutes. And I wish people stop asking huh. them to make 30 minutes. Like, that's yep. weird to make a show hour, an hour yeah. when we're on season four. Like, it's fucking weird. So, no. That's hella weird. And there's so many, so much context in those 30 minutes that I think what a lot of people do is they watch the episode one time. I challenge everybody listening this week and to next week to watch it twice because I had to watch it twice to even get my full opinion on it. And I think it's made me appreciate the show right. even more. So that ends. Are you, are we kind of done with Insecure? I, I, Insecure. Yeah. I'm excited for the season finale yes, next and also, week. Also, we will be changing, like, once again, I know I have to keep saying this, we will be changing. <laughs> so, so, don't be scared. Like, what are they going to do when Insecures are with? Don't worry, we got it. It's okay. Yep. We're, We're planners. I'm going to push your Katie. <laughs> got it, you guys. So, moving on to the next segment. <laughs> yes, guys. Be right back. And remember, keep it locked. Yay, we're back for our second segment to terrorize people even more. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) I had a glass of wine, so I'm like super hyper right now. Oh my gosh. Well, I am not, I'm sober, but I won't be after we get off. Oh no, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) At At all. Wink, wink. Um, However, we are here for our music segment. (laughs) (laughs) a lot of music did not really drop this week yeah that i paid attention to i mean i looked on apple music i was like what Mm -hmm. drop that i'm like gravitated towards i don't really see anything Mm -hmm. so i mean other than that there was a conversation that came on twitter last night Ooh, what was it about so 40 who is drake's producer yeah. Uh, he really he really solely works within the OVO camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, did a Rolling Stone article, which was actually a pretty good article. 
uh I read the whole thing. It was really it was kind of long like, you know, mm-hmm. people who don't like have short attention spans, child, I mean, read it in pieces if you want to. But honestly, when I started reading it, it kind of went by fast. It actually was really interesting. It showed the beginning of how he started to get into uh production and also yeah. with like with Drake and everything. Um and where he is now and how they have how their working relation relationship work. Uh works. Mm-hmm. So in the article, he rated his, like he rate he ranked um, Drake's album. Yeah. This is what he said. Hold on. Which sparked so much dialogue. Y'all were mad when y'all saw the list. That's why it came out with it. Twitter was so mad, you guys. Mm-hmm. Like, I really was kind of like, Oh, I see why you guys are mad. Mm-hmm. So this is what he said. Actually, this is what he said that was his top to bottom. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> <laughs> so far gone. Take mm-hmm. care. If you're reading it, it's too late. Scorpion. Nothing was the same. View mm-hmm. and thank me later. Oh, more life off because he said that it's a playlist, quote unquote. And I don't, I still don't understand that concept, but mm-hmm. and it kind of turned me off to the album a little bit because I was like, well, it's the playlist, whatever, girl. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, but you know. I felt a lot, of emo- a lot of emotions about that because I remember Drake gave an interview like a couple months ago before his like latest uh, collection of songs dropped about his favorites and such. And so I want to know your opinion. Do you agree with Forty's statement? No. <laughs> and you know what up is like that's his music. Like, and I know no in the article he also talked about how Drake's music is Drake's music. Mm-hmm. He's very protective about Drake's music as well. Yeah. He's just, like, honestly, in the article, he's, like, really a loyal, fiercely loyal friend. Yeah. Like, he talked about how he was in debt trying to get Drake's career off the ground. Mm -hmm. Crazy. I was like, y'all are, wow. That also makes me happy, though, that Drake is taking care of the people who have aided in his career. And he's maintained that sense of, like, normalcy between the two. Because I saw the article. I'm not going to sit up here and lie and say that I read all of it. I'm going to, like, read it in pieces because my attention span is a lot. A lot is going on this week with these moving pieces. But what I will say is that I appreciated that he broke it down from the excerpts that I did read, especially the health struggles that he has. So me and Kiara both jointly decided that we would come up with our own ranking of Drake albums this week. And then we wanted to hear y'all feedback about what is your favorite Drake album. So I'm going to throw the ball to Kiara the Don's Court on her (laughs) ranking and then I'll talk about mine. Please don't drag us. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I am still working. Like honestly, this is what I have for right now. My opinion is is up for change. Okay, yes. so my top, uh, it's take care. Nothing was the same. I feel like they are interchangeable with mm-hmm. one. Uh, it just depends on how I feel. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, they can fight over it. Honest, I got said. Uh, my is, and then I have so far gone. I have if you're reading this, it's too late. Thank me later. Views. I threw more life in there. I know he said he don't count it, but I threw it in there. Mm-hmm. Scorpio, Scorp- Scorpio, Scorpio, <laughs> Scorpion at the end. Okay. 
should I explain or do you want to go ahead and just tell uh, you? No, tell us tell us why you made that decision and then I'll talk about why I made mine. Okay. So excuse me. Take care is his most cohesive album to me. Snaps. But nothing was the same. It's just like mm-hmm. when you go back and listen to it over the years, it's like fine wine. Like it 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 ages with like it ages with time. Yeah. It ages like like wine. Like it's really mm-hmm. every time I go back and I listen to nothing was the same, I'm like, oh, this it gets better. Like Ooh, the bar. when it open up, the that's a fire ass injury. Forever, like yeah. You know, but I think a lot of people would take care. Take mm-hmm. care has make me proud. Mm-hmm. It has, um, it has cameras. I think people just hit in Marvin's room, like yeah. Krula, like people really hit like cameras is like his. I think it's in like top one, like songs. Mm-hmm. I really think so. Okay. I don't know if people disagree with me but every time I talk to people and they talk about Drake they always be like cameras 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 like <laughs> love that song love it love it love it and my next one is so far gone like I I think for me I put so far gone so up at the top yeah because it is a great body of work yeah for mixtape and it came out in the mixtape era and it still stands out to this day as one of the great mixtapes that came out um and it wasn't his it wasn't even his debut LP. It was an EP. And it had 18 songs on it, but like it's so raw and it's the basis, this is the foundation of all the projects. Like it's the mother. Mm. <laughs> so and we have successful, we have uh Uptown, we have like wait, is Uptown on so far gone? Oh, the so calm. Far and I remember I remember the calm. Um I always talk about this. My eighth grade, uh my eighth grade English teacher, Mr. Williams, shout out to him. Oh, I love Mr. Williams. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, me and Keenan went to the same middle school, if y'all don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> but in my eighth grade class, uh we had this one um just one like class where he gave we were talking about rhyme scheme it was the the unit was rhyme uh yeah. poem. it was our poetry unit mm-hmm. and the calm he broke down the rhyme scheme of the calm if anybody goes back and listen to the calm look out for the rhyme scheme and that's how i knew drake was one of my favorite rappers period okay. so i think so far gone for me also it's like a nostalgic thing yeah um if you're reading this it's too late like it's also a nostalgic thing for me too. Like it was in such like a a great time in my life. So I also mm-hmm. put that up there. Like, and then it's honestly production wise, it's really good. Like mm-hmm. dope. It was a dope era for Drake. Like that's when back to back came out. Like <laughs> it was just dope. bottles were a pop like, when back to back came out, okay? You was yeah, you were like really into pop at the time. I remember that. Yep. You were really into pop and I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. Um, I was girl, listen, I was smoking too if you're reading this is too late mm-hmm. every day. Okay. Um, thank me later. That was like I'm really doing a breakdown because like I really do love Drake. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> thank me later, like and you gonna do the same thing because I already know. But thank me later. It's just another reason. Like, it's nostalgic. Like, that was the second album I bought with my own money. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget it. I remember putting it in the basket, and I Mm -hmm. ran it every day. Like, fireworks, 
fancy, uh, <laughs> light up, uh, <laughs> unforgettable too. Oh, I really fucked with unforgettable. Thank me later was like it came out my ninth grade year. Yeah, of high school, I just remember being on the bus, and at the time, I think I was still rocking with my CD player in ninth mm-hmm. grade. <laughs> Niggas don't even know what a CD player is Up anymore. all night. That was one of Nikki's best verses. Like, yes, I completely agree with you. I like not on this list, but I agree with that. <laughs> show me a good time. Show me a good time. The beat on "Show Me the Good Time" is still one of my favorite beats ever. Like when that song come on, like the mm-hmm. beat itself is just it's crazy to me. Like I really love thank me later and i probably should put it higher and i think i'm going to go ahead and move it in front of if you're reading this is too late yeah because i had to go back and look at the songs and i'm like oh shit no like, <laughs> thank me later is it's top like for mm-hmm. real um i had i made notes hold on let me see <laughs> i made notes you guys this, this is serious and then views come on like I let's can we talk Keenan a little bit about views because I'm like I'm so tired of the slander that views get. Sure. I remember us sitting down and then everyone sat us down and was like, let's sit down and listen to views. And we literally sat in our apartment. We had bottles, things were being passed around to be smoked, and we had a really connection to views and to hear views one thing i want to say about music before we even um get on that is that you should listen to it in different avenues you should listen to it from your phone you should listen to it with headphones and to hear it on like a dj speaker man the music sounds even better in the actual studio that's the crazy part yeah our friend i remember we used to have this like low-key listening parties at our apartment when Mm -hmm. the albums would drop but this time i think no views dropped you had your own apartment at the time. I didn't. So we went over there. Oh, yeah. So, um, and girl, yes, the blunts was rolling. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. I'm sorry about whoever listened. Don't know. Listen, we had, <laughs> it was rolling. Okay. And mm-hmm. views, we were just sat there and soaked it in when it first came out. And a lot of people didn't really care for it when it came out. I think I, it took a while for it to really, really hit for me. I but, think when we saw it live, like when we went to Drake concert in Houston, it completely shifted yes. like the whole views conversation. I was always standing faithful on views. So I kind of went up for it, but I didn't like well, I'll talk about that when it when it's my portion to talk about that. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Because I'll go on a tangent. Like so. I just love keep the family close. Like I love, mm. like, I love the the I, I I'm a stickler. I love sampling and I know sampling can be very problematic. Mm-hmm. But I love sampling and like <laughs> you know, I do when it's done tastefully. Yep. And it's done re- respect respectfully. But like him going like Fire and Desire and him going to Brandy's album and pulling it mm. and flipping that the way he did. And also, we also, with Views, that's when we started to see um, Drake kind of play with New Orleans bounce sounds, even though a lot of people didn't really care for that, like yeah. creation, whatever. I didn't feel like that's not his place, that's not his culture. I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's just this album, like if you when you go and look at views and you really break down the songs, it's kind of like it's a like really good songs. Like 
impactful mm. songs. So, and Western Road flows like, come on, like, and Faithful. Hits. When we saw Faithful live, like, Hits. that just I Faithful cried. did something to me. Like, Division coming out there with those blue lights, with the smoke. Like, I remember it. Like, I was vividly. so in love. I took a Snapchat with Kiara, and I was like, my nigga got us Drake tickets, and she was like, take that shit down. Don't be no simp. But I was really <laughs> into that. So me. <laughs> I was really in. Oh my gosh! We I know we told that story already on the podcast how we got yeah. from Drake tickets, but but like, if you tuning in for this episode, you you gonna know that that was a great time. That was a great time, <laughs> and then it, the after party it was just great. Um, and then um, uh, I put wait I'm, oh and I put more life more mm-hmm. life came at a weird time in my life, so I've tried to connect with that album multiple times and I just can't <laughs> I just can't and I'm gonna try again okay I'm gonna try again but I just can't it came at a weird time in my life and I think at the time Damn by Kendrick Lamar came out mm-hmm. and I was so into that at the time mm-hmm. so it just did not when Damn came out it was nothing nothing was really in my view itch at that point and then Control came out that same well, yeah, I listen. I was not in the time and space for more life when it came out. It just was not good timing in my life. And sometimes with albums, it's like that. Yeah. Um, and then you know, for last is Scorpion. Mm. Still feel like that could have been left on the playground. Um, maybe that's something I need to go revisit because I don't also want to say it was horrible because I don't feel like Drake puts out horrible things. Like, yeah, I can't name a. It Even took me a lot fly. to connect to that project. So I get what you're talking about. And a lot of people loved it. It was just something that it took me a minute to connect to. I so mean, I'll revisit it. I will say, you guys, I did not put the new project that he just put out. I did not bring it at all in any of this because I have not had enough time to really delve into that project and like feel like I can rank it anyway. Yeah. Um, I didn't put What a Time to Be Alive on the list. Mm-hmm. I just didn't count it. Um... I didn't feel like it. I think it's irrelevant to the, the argument. Obviously. I think it's irrelevant to the argument. But however, that also came out at a great time in my life. Uh, great time. But that, I think I'm done. I, I kind of <laughs> went on my ramble. But that's my list. It, it will change probably. Yeah. I probably will go and listen to all Drake's albums mm-hmm. when I get some time. Um, which I have a lot of time now, so I can do it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that. So just to overview my shit again, um, take care and nothing was the same. They're interchangeable. There, it's a tie for those. So yeah. far, on is third. I moved. Thank me later. Back up. So thank me later is fourth. Um, if you're reading, it's too late. It's after that, and then I put views. But I think I might. Nah, I'm gonna leave views where it's <laughs> and then I put more life with Scorpion. So that's my list. Okay, Kiara hit a lot of the same points that I was gonna make, so I'm not gonna like bore y'all to death with what I think as far as that. But my list, I said, let me sit down, let me think about what Keenan Wayne related to the most, and I have to say, without a without a doubt, y'all know I'm gonna pick take, take care, care. <laughs> take care. I'm glad. You know. <laughs> I'm glad you know, just because I'm all about cohesion, and I think that that, that album dropped my senior year of high school. Um, I did buy Thank Me Later, but I only bought the digital copy of Thank Me Later. I actually bought the physical copy of Take Care. 
And that album, at the time, I was dating this guy, and I know I relate men a lot to my music, but Take Care, I just think cohesively, and Marvin's Room was such a cultural reset. I have oh. never seen so many people remake so a song. So many artists were jumping on it. It, it was just a cultural reset. Like, when you think about Hell Yeah, Fucking Right, when you think about Practice, my favorite song on Take Care probably would be Shot For Me. I think it's mm. always related to what I was dealing with with people. Every time I went through a breakup, I played that damn song. When my ex broke up with me, he told me play that song for him, which I thought was evil, but also very, you know. Oh, my God. That was very cute, you know. But anywho, um, and then as far as my order, I would go take care. Nothing was the same. Views, so far gone. Thank me later. If you're reading this too late and Scorpion. You put views before so far gone. I definitely did, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because okay, feel... please tell me why. Because I know the girl's gonna eat you up. Go ahead. <laughs> when you, when I hear feel no ways, when I hear Western road flows, it don't matter where I'm at. I will break out into a dance. And when I think of views, I see myself sitting on a yacht, and I think it's the perfect album to look at a retrospective glance of yourself. When I hear Redemption, it made me cry. Faithful oh, is Lord. honestly my favorite Drake song as of today. I play that song the most. And I just think that I, I'm off of the underdog. And I think Views got that underdog narrative. Views is his underdog album. Controller? One dance. One dance. When you have those back-to-back <laughs> come on in the club, Miss Beach, you gonna Yo, even when I hear Fire and Desire, Fire and Desire. And also think about the cultural impact of Hotline Bling. Like, think about how we was dancing around our damn house. Girl, that was I had my ringtone. Yo, for real. Like, you, remember I had my, you remember I had my ringtone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I just think for me, art is subjective. And I look at these songs, and Drake made a great point. He was like, we always talk about we miss the old Drake. And he was like, do you miss the old Drake or do you miss the old you? And that's how Ooh. I looked at this ranking i said do you miss the ou or can you look at this as objectively as possible and whenever i looked at the production drake is honestly my one of my favorite rappers next to kanye like i have I seen put drake, drake above kanye mm, rapping wise i, th- I think without kanye wouldn't drake be a drake producer. And I love them both. And I and I and I wanna support both of them. I just think for me, Kanye impacted how I was. Drake helped me live through it. Oh. So And you that's... know what's crazy when you hmm. said the OU or is it because remember when I was talking about my list, I kept referring to times <laughs> in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, what damn? It's okay. You know, art that speaks to us mirrors that and you know, all the points that you made, I know I'm going to be missing some songs in the process, but when I think about Drake's trajectory and I think about how much we love Degrassi and he's always been just himself in a sense, like people have tried to punk Drake. He's navigated through this industry very meticulously and him having his OVO brand. When you think of Drake, you think of that goddamn owl and he shows me that you know you can be a brand. You can have all these different yes. things. He's not the only artist to do it, but to watch him grow up, in front of us, at least, to know that I saw his mixtape on MySpace from comeback season till now. Yes. Like, I've been following Drake forever. I yes. am a stan, okay? Stan, stan. Stan, so I stan. Think, you know, we're going to argue till we blue in the face, but I respect your list. I just think for me, I take care. 
to hear the real her and <laughs> I don't know to have such heavy hitters on that album and to see him just constantly push his narrative and what he wanted to say I love it so that's my thoughts on Drake and shout out to cameras because that is a record I completely agree with you so I know I'm missing some stuff but you hit every nail I was so that's my thoughts okay I do want to say one thing um I did I know Drake had an interview was it with Elliot Wilson Mm, when he was sitting in his home yes was it with Elliot Wilson I think it may have been I thought it was but I'm not sure let me see I need to make sure before I say what I'm going to say. Drake Elliot Wilson. Da, 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 da. I think it was, yeah. It was B dot and Elliot Wilson. Oh yes, okay. It was B dot and Elliot Wilson, and it was a two hour interview, mm-hmm. which I kind of had to like find clips of because I just could not. I did not have the attention span for that shit. I was like <laughs> two and a half hours. I love you, Drake, but and. Honestly, with the clip that I did see, um, which I'm going to refer to, he really, and I know a lot of people want Drake to kind of like sit down and they want him to just kind of chill out before he burns out. Yeah. Um, Seeing that interview, I had that same thing, but seeing that interview and seeing how, when you have a really deep love for music mm-hmm. and you're young, the way he, he's young, like Drake is like what, in his 30s? Yeah. Um, and he's been in the game for ten like ten years of consec like just consistently putting out music and still being on top, still getting the number one every like. Why would you stop? Yeah. You know, especially when that's your passion. Like that's what makes you. If that's what makes your blood keep going, that's what makes you keep going. Like, and I can see with Drake, music really is his. It's his fuel. Like, yeah. A form of escapism. Drake is a Scorpio, so he's thinking yeah, we, the long game. Like I, I think because Drake is a Scorpio, I get some. Like I get him. I get that he is a very mysterious man. Like I miss we him don't know acting, a lot about Drake. Though. I wish he was in more I would films. I love to see him act. Like Drake, if you're whatever listen, which I don't know, please. Like you will manifesting that manifesting <laughs> that you will. Love to have you on the show one day. We'd love to have just talk to you. Like just. Just so we can get like, and I won't talk about no personal shit. Like I just want to talk about the music. Yep. Period. Um, but I will free for our editors to roll back this tape too when we have Drake on the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I would just love for you, like you are so multi-talented, yeah. and I know rapping is like it, like for you at this time. But I would love to see Drake act because even in the No Guidance video. He was hilarious. <laughs> he was. And I feel like I would love to see Drake in a comedy or like I would love to see Drake in a comedy. I, I would love to see him Drake. in a suspense movie because I think the mysterious element would uh, play to his strengths, honestly. I to think see him would. be like a serial killer or something, that would kind of turn me on a little bit. But um, yeah. Yeah, we love you, Drake. And this, we really wanted to make this segment. We was just like, we're just going to talk about what people were debating. And 40... I respect your list. It, I mean, you're the producer. Like, if that's what you feel, yeah, I respect that. Like, but I have my own <laughs> <laughs> yeah. as a fan. Uh, so you know, I, I, I just, you know, wow. But, uh, yeah, love you, Drake, and keep making music if you want to. We don't yeah. care. Like, keep doing you. 
Um, and also with Forty, I hope he, you know, I know he, I hope he feels better. MS is a definitely a hard disease to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, also being a producer and you kind of like being the sole producer for someone and you have a disease like that is scary. I think that's why Drake is going so hard with putting things out because the person that is like his, the person that is his like fellow Avenger mm-hmm. is about to go. So, all right, I mean, not about to go, but like, you know, has a, a time ticking, you know? So that could be also be a reason why Drake has not let his foot off our necks. I also think that that lifestyle is very demanding. I think being a rapper, we're quick to be like, oh, you fallen off, you fell off, which I'm like, Drake has become a staple in music. I think you're very delusional if you don't agree with that. So my final sentiments on this whole conversation is that I pray for health and safety for 40 and everybody else yes. on that team because I know you know, it's very stressful to have that type of lifestyle. So I'm excited to see what the next uh, 10 years look like for Drake and just his and trajectory and 40. No, th- yeah, that's what I meant. Like, I'm excited to see what they continue to do, how yeah. they push the culture forward. So, yep. Yeah, shout out to, like, once again, shout out to 40 because 40 really is the driving force musically, mm-hmm. production-wise. And, and everybody so, over at OVO, too. Yeah, and the, also his manager... Um, as well, who's who is the driving force behind the brand? Like Drake really has a solid team, mm-hmm. um, and I just, I just, I, I admire the shit p- pretty much. Yeah, point blank, like how they're so solid and loyal to each other. I love it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we we do also have uh, one more thing that we want to talk about as far as music goes. Um, we do want to talk about this episode probably gonna be long. <laughs> uh Chloe and Holly are dropping this week. Their performance for the YouTube graduates was great, beautiful, awesome, iconic, legendary, great. Just love them. Ungodly hours dropping this Friday. They're such a powerhouse, and to know that they the fact that they are performing on YouTube is such a, a testament to tenacity and resilience because they were discovered on YouTube. And we talked a little Ooh, bit about yes. their background, but it's great to see everything in life usually has a reason and comes full circle. So to see those two beautiful black women to be succeeding and to just be thriving in the industry, do it is a great song, and I love that performance. I loved it, and you have to believe in yourself. And Megan Thee Stallion also had a great performance. That split on the couch <laughs> for my soul and my spirit. That Literally. girl, I, the quarantine. If that was not in the like in the playing cards right now, I would love to see what Megan would be doing. Like and Chloe and Holly, if we did not have the quarantine going on, and we could really, they could really be. Ooh, yeah, like the quarantine is holding a lot of artists back. Like for real. To have concerts not going on saddens me, and I and my thoughts and prayers are with everybody dealing with coronavirus and such. So I don't want to come off as selfish, and that I'm only thinking about you know how I could have yeah. benefited with things. So please, please stay safe, y'all, and wash our hands and such. But I do think, like you said, it would have been a great time, you know, to it be out been a there. Good time. 2020, I think, if we did not have quarantine, I think it probably would have been a really great year for mm-hmm. music. I mean, it's been pretty good so far. Um, but also on the YouTube graduates, um, class of 2020, we had Beyonce. She did her speech Mm -hmm. and it made me cry. It was so beautiful. I even recorded a clip of her speech so I can watch it. I favorited it in my phone and like, she had a lot of great points and 
anybody who knows me and Kiara remotely knows that we absolutely love Beyonce. Stan. We stan, and I can't wait to meet her one day. So I'm happy this is on I'm tape so I can play this back. I'm not ready. I'm, and I knew I wasn't ready. I always think about when will be the time where I'm ready to meet Beyonce. Mm. When that woman was talking on the camera and she was saying the things that she was saying, mm-hmm. like she was like, once you step outside of yourself, mm. that is your first step to self-discovery mm-hmm. and get into what you want. And you have to build a stage. And she talked about her own journey and how she owns her masters and how she had to build her own table. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've always wanted to do was build my own table. Mm-hmm. Bring everybody, the best of the best, the underdogs, and we create something gorgeous and beautiful and solid. And, oh, girl. I'm very big in the power of the tongue, and I agree with you. You don't have to get ready if you stay ready. So I'm always putting that out there that I cannot wait for that moment. Uh, Us even being at the release party for... um, Lemonade, we were there. That was such a great moment. So it's all about... We were at the release. Well, it was it was a Saint thing. It was well, like we were partying too because Lemonade came out. It wasn't the official. We was partying because Lemonade came out. It was Solange semantics, but it was it was Jazz Fest. It was a party for Jazz Fest that Solange threw, and Lemonade dropped the same night. So we were celebrating. (laughs) (laughs) You know, however you imagine that, I completely totally. Imagine it that way. <laughs> I'm gonna be real and say what it was. I mean, and I so still we, to this day say that was one of the best parties I ever. So were we not life. listening and partying on our way to that party anyway? <laughs> but we weren't. It wasn't the listening party because <laughs> she didn't even play it. And she played nothing from Lemonade. It was but, an old school party, y'all. It was an old school party. They only played songs from the '90s in the 2000s, and then they had a Prince appreciation towards the towards the yeah. second half of the party. And it was one of dope. It was in like this like house. Best it was night. in this house. It was the dopest party I probably have ever went to. Um, bro, that was one of the best days of my life. Me and I Kiara cried in the bathroom. That. We were we so cried in the bathroom. <laughs> so that's why I think you know I don't think anything happens by chance. I think everything happens by fate. Solange was a great party host. The energy in that room was undeniable. I think it inspired me to go even harder in my music aspirations as well as it did for you. Um, can, I, can I share one moment? Sure. Okay, so when we like when we went up to Solange and we was like, hi. And she was like, no, she was like, and I well, she I, we saw her tell, tell the other girls no pictures. I was like, girl, I don't want no picture. I just want to say hello. Because mm-hmm. I I just I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told her that I was like oh I don't want a picture I just want to say hello and I just want to say thank you for everything and I just also want to ask when is the next album coming mm-hmm. I sure did remember I asked her that you and did. she told me it was coming and that's when we got a seat at the table yep <laughs> which and you can't tell me divine timing you can't and people don't understand I love a seat at the table so much Be- like that is one of the moments why because I asked Solange I was like when is the next album coming? <laughs> she also embraced us, which was also very shocking. She gave us a hug. She, so she gave us a hug. Y'all, so that's why six degrees of separation. So hey. I was yes, but Beyonce, like that speech was something that everyone needed. Even it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And one more thing, I just want to let people know Beyonce does open her purse. Mm-hmm. So those people who were saying, oh, well, she doesn't, she definitely does open her purse. I need you to go do your research. Yeah. She's not one of the ones that you need to come for with that conversation. 
<laughs> and that's all I'll say on that one. Um, one thing that I want to point out that Beyonce said that resonated with me the most is that you should not let people project their self-doubt onto you and you mm. should never feel entitled to win. Those were the two, the entire message was beautiful, but the one, the two points that resonated with me were that because I think often as Black people and people of color, we always take on what the world thinks of us. We always want to emulate what people think that we should be. And sometimes we accept doubts that they have just because somebody doesn't take a leap of faith doesn't mean that you can't and I think sometimes myself included I have an entitlement of like well I went to this school and I did the work and I volunteered here and to keep in mind nobody in life owes you anything no matter how talented you are you're not entitled to win you're not entitled to win and Beyonce had a great point she said she was nominated for more than 40 plus Grammys 46 46. See, I knew you would know. I was testing your stand card. But uh, <laughs> I just thought that was that was so real and transparent. And I think when you're a celebrity, and especially when you're in a sphere of influence, you should always use your power to educate the public and try to shift the conversation to something that's positive. So seeing a YouTube ceremony, seeing Beyonce's speech, I also really enjoy Lady Gaga's speech. Um, there was just so much greatness. So congratulations to all the 2020 grads and parents yes. of those who listen to us, friends, etc. We need you. You can shift the conversation forward. And with that being said, do we have any other thing about music this week? Stream Chloe and Holly. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ungodly that. Ungodly hour, June 12th. That's all I have to say. I uh, love so- that. <laughs> That's the end of the segment um, on music, you guys. So keep it locked. Keep it locked. We'll be back. Damn, we in the last period, girl, of the podcast. Yes, we are. We've been having too much fun. This was actually, I've really been having fun talking. <laughs> like, this has been a fun episode for me. Like, I mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. It's been a lot of good en- energy, and you have really shifted my mind. I think every time we talk, like whether it's being recorded or not is always trying to not change frameworks but adding some type of value to it so i'm super appreciative of this platform for us to collaborate and then share with people what we talk about privately in a public space so thanks for the opportunity whenever we do talk we we always we always have different perspectives and we get like we kind of join our perspectives together and it changes like you said it changes our framework so like I appreciate our conversations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot. No cap. Because um, I like to talk, but I don't like to talk. <laughs> uh, you know that about me. But mm-hmm. uh, we decided that for our last segment, where we call it the keep it locked segment. Um, that's what we're going to run with now. Uh, where we just keep it locked about, you know, things about life. Uh, there was something that really has been like a spirit. Like I always say something on my spirit, like really something God speaks to me. And I'm like, okay, well, we need to talk yeah. about it. And I tell Keenan, I'm like, would you like to talk about it? Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel like you have enough, you know, a range to talk about it or whatever? He's like, okay, cool. You know, so what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. Mm. And we talked about it a little bit earlier with Molly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, um, basically, you know, you have gifts. You have a lot of things that you can do. You can be a jack of all trades. Uh, you can, you know, do a lot, have a lot of accomplishments. 
but you don't feel like either you don't deserve it or you can't believe that that's actually what God is giving you or what you have. Like, oh, wow, I can't really sing. Or, oh, wow, can I really act like this? Like, or, yeah. wow, do I really have that skill? I, I don't believe that, so I'm not going to really invest in it because I can't believe that I'm actually that good or I have the potential to be that good in this yeah. skill or in this talent. So I do have a lot of friends where I know you and I, we have a lot of creative friends. We have a mm-hmm. lot of friends who are creatives in their own right, in their own lanes. We have friends who sing, who rap, who draw, who are definitely visionaries, you know. But a lot of where our friends, what I see, and I think we've all been pushing ourselves to work on that, is we all suffer from imposter syndrome, where we, Absolutely. we have a lot of fear in the talents and the gifts and that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this we have this dream of, oh, we want to get to this top, but it's also like, are we deserving of it? Yeah. So then we because we don't necessarily feel that we're fully deserving of that dream, then that's when a self-sabotage comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we discuss this, um, like here I was saying earlier, we really sit down and we map out something that's affecting us and then so i was like imposter syndrome so i decided that i wanted to look up the actual definition of it and then try to make it applicable to something that i was dealing with so i just want to preface this with like i'm not a clinical professional but yeah we're imposter not syndrome is a psychological pattern in which one doubts one's accomplishments and it has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed exposed as a fraud and so i was like so what does that definition mean and so i tried to look at it and one thing for me is that number one imposter syndrome has different names and it comes in different forms um it can be described also as imposter experience imposter phenomenon which is something that i want to talk about because when you're in a completely new setting, like me, for example, I was experiencing imposter syndrome when I moved to Los Angeles. I was in an entirely new place, and sometimes I felt completely out of my body. I felt like I didn't deserve to move here. I felt like it was a little bit too easy. And when people would congratulate me on it, it almost like came in one ear and out the other because right. I was like, oh, it's luck. Oh, it's this, is that. And so I really wanted to know where does that stem from? And I did a little bit of research. So a lot of studies have shown that it affects it affects marginalized groups and it can be connected to like your family's expectations, your racial identity, anxiety and et cetera. And it doesn't mean that all of those can be connected. But for me, I think that my expectations for myself, not even my family, is what caused that for me. I felt like that at 23, 24, I didn't know how to articulate all of my accomplishments without sounding cocky and actually believing them. (laughs) I think a lot of people who suffer from imposter syndrome, and you probably never even heard of this term, but we're breaking it down. You're like, oh, wow, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like, you know, you have these accomplishments, but you don't really want to speak them out loud because you don't want to sound cocky. You don't want to sound arrogant. You're trying to practice humility, but also your humility mm. is also making you suppress yourself mm-hmm. um, and suppress your talents. Because I feel like, for me personally, that's something that I've always struggled with. Yeah, my whole life, I'm like, I can't possibly be able to do those things. Like, but I know it. Like, I know I know how to do this X Y Z. And I know I have this past. I know I've done this and this and this and this. And when I like say it out loud, I'm like, I can't believe I've done this, 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 and this. And mm-hmm. I can't accept it because I don't want to sound like, you know, 
oh, you know, you know what I mean? Like stuck up or. Yeah. Uh, like overly. I don't know. Like egotistical. Egotistical just very... or like anything like that. And it's as a creative person. Mm hmm accepting your creativeness and accepting that oh i can do all of these things and i can be in my bag with this it's mm-hmm. hard because it's like a lot of people don't have all of that you know a lot of people don't have all of that and they you know you're like i don't want people to think that i'm a you know i, I can't really do this or it's not even about a jealousy of of others or anything yeah. like for me speaking like for me speaking of myself you mm-hmm. know it's more so like i can't sometimes it's like I can't really accept the fact that this is really like God given like God really did this like God really gave me these tools and these talents and I'm frustrating myself because I can't fully accept that I deserve it you know I know I I know I'm thank I'm grateful I'm grateful and mm-hmm. I'm thankful but I can't believe that I actually deserve this you know and it- you have a great point that you mentioned is because you were doing some like inner work and you were thinking about how that was applicable to you and how you can articulate yourself. And one thing that I found out doing some research is that even prominent people like Maya Angelou, Maya Angelou and Einstein both felt that way. Two of the most accomplished and decorated people in history both had and subjectively felt um, imposter syndrome and it boils down to pluralistic ignorance so what that means is that you're thinking of your experience and you're thinking nobody else is experiencing with you but studies have shown that about 70 percent of people experience those exact same syndromes and it can be in any type of any type of sphere of your life whether it's academically academically environmentally it can be a whole different uh a whole different types i know I know for like Maya Angelou is definitely one person who mm-hmm. lived a life where she did everything. She was on Broadway. She was a mm-hmm. professor in Africa. She was a poet. She was an author. She was a director. Mm-hmm. I've always looked at, I, I've read, I know why the cage bird scenes I've read it three times because I've mm-hmm. always, I just, I admired her like it was it's just no way this woman could embody all of this and with what she went through and still be able to go and be like you know what god gave me a talent Mm. gave me talents let Mm -hmm. me go and chase after them even with her child she had a child very young at 17 years old and she still did all of these things Mm. all of these things she traveled with her child it's a lot like I, if anybody wants to read on Maya Angelou and her life feel yeah. free to definitely go and read I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings that was mm-hmm. a pivotal piece of literature in my life as a child you know I need to go and read it I'm gonna be very transparent with you I have never read that all the way oh, through no, it's okay. no, really. <laughs> I think at this time of life with everything that's going on right now, I think it's a good time. I might go back and read it again because I may need it right now. Um, so Maya Angelou is definitely a person where she overcame that imposter syndrome. Mm. She probably still dealt with it. I'm not sure because I feel like that lady probably still had a lot in her that she could give the world. You know, mm. she may have, but, you know, those, those, you know, it's just self-sabotaging yourself is something that I think a lot of people do. We have mm-hmm. a potential that we know we have, but we can't accept that we have that potential. 
Ooh, and you know, when you said that, it made me think about middle school. And I think that's whenever I first suffered from that of imposter syndrome is whenever I would compare myself to my classmates and how I was performing academically against them. I think that's the first time I ever really sat back and was like, oh, shit, should I be here? I'm at a performing arts school and I'm not. At the time, I wasn't a great piano player. My first love of music came from just listening to the music that my parents played. My grandmother was a singer. She released an album at one point, and my mom always would just play different things. She always had an array of music. I remember growing up and hearing the Dixie Chicks, and I got teased for it. And I was like, oh, shit, like, am I really Black? I think there's so much intersectionalities that go into that. And imposter syndrome, for me, it can come from so many different angles and you have to be able to vocalize that. It didn't take me until I was grown to be able to realize that that was something that I was dealing with and right. that I still deal with to this day. It had to be through conversations, right. talking to my therapist and doing self-work and research. Yes. And <laughs> if we miss something about imposter syndrome, forgive us, but this is something that was very important to us and feel free to do your own research and challenge whatever we're saying or even give us extra insight because I think a lot of our listeners will be able to agree with that. Yeah. I have so many conversations with you about this. So I'm happy that we're talking about it this week. Imposter syndrome will will force, if you don't realize it, if you don't work to figure out how you can overcome it, that is the reason why a lot of people settle in life. And they mm. end up unhappy and they feel like, oh, I should have did this. I, I could have done this. I would have done, you know, the should have, could have, would have. That is the result of letting imposter syndrome take over and self-sabotage is when those shoulda, coulda, wouldas start coming. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the result. So I'm for yeah. me, for myself, um, like, you know, you talked about, like, we went to perform. I was performing art schools my whole entire life, mm-hmm. <laughs> elementary, middle. And I will consider my high school to be performing arts because it was, it was a magnet. And I will say it was performing arts as well. Um, mm. But coming from that background, um and and literally having my hand in all kind of different things as far as singing acting mm-hmm. drama theater i love to this day i still love theater and singing and but i feel like i could have done more but i suffer from imposter syndrome a lot because i was like i can't possibly be able to you know this is god you really gave me all of this and i don't i don't know what to do with it i don't know yeah. how to push it i don't know what to because i can't really accept it and that's something that now I'm working on I thank you for mm-hmm. quarantine because I'm working on it now like singing is something that I kind of always just like eh, whatever yeah eh, whatever you know eh, whatever when I be like bitch you can sing you can sound right you can do anything you want to do so I'm happy that you're seeing that and you're working through that doing yeah. during this time because now is the perfect time to really sit down and analyze yourself analyze your strengths and I stopped saying weaknesses and I started saying opportunities, opportunities. I think that word choice is very imperative how you view yourself the power and of more the importantly how you treat others the power of the tongue that is what I preach but one thing that I want to uh, mention that you also jogged my memory about is that even Michelle Obama's Said she dealt with imposter syndrome. That's a woman, also like, wow. I know, and at her statue, her education. She said that whenever she met um, the Queen of London at one point, she was so freaked out of like, you know, how do I act around her? And the Queen was just like, "Hey, like, just just get in where you fit in." And I thought that was so 
so crucial to like my mindset and my thinking because I stopped trying to um let's say work from like an individualist mindset and more of a collectivism and by collectivism i try to not think that one experience is selected like exclusively to me and i try to find other people who can empathize with me so i can have that dialogue with them to see how they overcame it because it's so hard to get help if you never talk right until you never vocalize it and not everybody's in a place to do that i understand that but i think talking with friends talking to trained professionals that deal with this it helps it pushes the conversation forward it helps because I, I talked to my therapist about mm-hmm. like I, I told her I was like it's a, I, she was like what do you want to do in life and I told her everything that I want to do which mm-hmm. is a lot you know and she yeah. was like why aren't you doing it and I was like I just and she, I was just like I, 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 I. <laughs> and so that's where I was like Kenny you want to do a podcast and then I was like I think I should start my blog back or I should do this. I should do this. And then, then I started going back into songwriting again and singing and different things. It was just like, why aren't you doing it? If you Mm -hmm. have that, if you have that movie that you want to write, go write it. Do it. Go do it. If, if, if there's a a foundation or organization that you want to start, go start it. You can help somebody. You never know who you can help with putting your gift and your talent out there. So I just wanted to say, if any of our listeners are dealing with imposter syndrome or self-sabotage, it takes mm-hmm. time to work through that, but start mm-hmm. working on it. Start the work. Just start. Yeah. Just start. Because you never know uh, you never know the impact that you can have on somebody. And you're completely right. We're the biggest obstacles in our way. And I look at opportunities that I have had in the past that I've squandered just because of imposter syndrome of thinking like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough for that. Or like I might not vocalize it, but I internalize that. And something that me and you have talked about off air is that I treat myself mentally like a like a little child i'd be like keenan you know like why did you do that baby like i try to talk to myself in a very calming and reassuring tone because there are so many gifts that we both have there's so many gifts that our listeners have have and if you think about it you never want to leave this earth knowing that you didn't do anything to make it a little bit better whatever that sphere of influence is for you if you want to be i don't know the best race car driver ever you never know like by doing that that inspired a kid to be like, wow, I saw them there. Diversity and inclusion is always my life's work. And that will always be something that I strive to do. And I think imposter syndrome affects marginalized groups the most. So if we don't have these tough and uncomfortable conversations, I think quarantine has taught me that there are conversations you need to be had, that need to be had rather. And it is okay to work through your shit. We're all working through it. So that's my final sentiments on it. Yeah. So work on that shit, you guys. Do that shit. Do that shit. Do that shit. I'm making my ass clap in the background. Do that, do that, shit. that shit. Do that shit. Do it. Do that do shit. It. Do that shit. Do it. Like do if it. you gotta like if I gotta make a little song and like even though that's a real song, do that shit. Do that shit. I think that's do a real that song. Um it like, is. You, I just can't like, think of the name of it. Sing that jingle in your head when you like like trying to debate on should I do this? Should I put this content out? Should I put this music mm-hmm. out? Should I like, should I do this? Like, do it. Mm-hmm. You never know who is going to run across with social media. You never know who's going to run across it. So do that shit. I think that might do be the name shit. of our Ooh. stuff. Like I, this episode, <laughs> do that shit. Do that shit. Do it. Yeah, you have to be very c- careful about like who you 
invite in your life and who speaks into you because when you're dealing with imposter syndrome you need to be surrounded by people who want to ultimately see you win you know i think that's from a p diddy song but um one more thing yeah um if you have friends and you guys you have friends with different talents make sure that you net one thing about Issa ray i saw her say in an interview make sure you network across if you have a friend that has a skill bring them with you yeah. And don't don't be afraid. This week has taught me, don't be afraid to talk to people who you might not have a bond with. It, it never hurts to reach out to somebody and be like, hey, I think you're dope. I would love for us to have some type of connection. I know that's weird in the social media age, but I shot my friendship shot with Kiara. We talked about shooting our shot last week. There are so many people that you think you met off a one-off, but maybe you could connect with them a little bit deeper. So hopefully we imparted some knowledge to you guys this week, and I really enjoyed this conversation. And we might revisit this topic at a later we date. We will, because I will keep my foot on your necks, <laughs> listeners. Open your purse. Open your purse. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's like the funniest. <laughs> Read the room. Open your purse. Open your goddamn like, I mind. Love about, one more thing purse. I love about our generation is, of course, everything that's going on is very serious, but we find yeah. humor in everything. And open yeah. your purse and read the room has definitely been a light in my spirit towards <laughs> this whole situation. Definitely. So to leave yeah. everything off, make sure that you guys go register to vote. If you haven't, yes. you still have time to my Louisiana listeners. You still have time. Louisiana. Louisiana. Judge Tolor. Judge Tolor. Her name is not Miss Grill. Her name is Judge Tolor. Tolor. He is terrible, you honor. Yes, Trump is terrible, you honor. He is terrible. So y'all go vote. Oh, girl. Y'all go vote, please. Yes, vote for whoever you would like. We're all about doing what serves you best. We have no political stance. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you don't. I I speak for myself. <laughs> he does not. Keenan does not have a political sense. He has nothing to say on this. Um, nothing. It's me. Um, go vote, bitch. <laughs> go, ba- go vote, bitches. That's all I have to say. Bye, everybody. And keep it Bye. Locked. See y'all next week. Bye-bye. Keep it locked.